0: You're listening to a DM podcast. Let's go on a trip. Yeah, let's go on a trip. Yeah, baby. It's not too bad. What was the question
1: again? (laughs) Okay, let's go. I'm Angela Coturns. I'm Ian Rogerson. And welcome to Suddenly Senior. This is a podcast series for those of us who've reached a certain age in
0: life. That's right. You can join if you're not our age, but it'll be a lot more fun if you are. (laughs) So strap
1: yourselves in, check your blood pressure, light your spliff.
0: Pour yourself a small bevy and let's go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Today's guest on Suddenly Senior wrote a song that became an unofficial national anthem. Neil Murray is a prolific songwriter, a founding member of the Warumpi Band. He helped record the first rock song sung in an Indigenous language, and he has a solo career that still gets him out on the road. Welcome to Suddenly Senior, Neil Murray.
2: Well, thanks. That's the first time I've heard that. Yeah. Here we are. Welcome up. aboard.
1: You are a senior. We're we're saying um sixty is you know is the entry point.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, I passed that milestone quite a while back actually. And yeah.
1: how did that feel?
2: Um, I didn't. I didn't really take any notice of it. I, I pointedly, didn't celebrate. I waited till I was 61. I thought that was a better number.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Always a rebel. It,
0: it it is a milestone, though, Neil. It's it's something where it's it's you're transitioning into something, and nobody's really quite sure what it is. And I guess that's really what this program's all about: uh, uh, finding out what it is like as you go into uh, the next stage, which could be great, or for some people, they find it a bit daunting.
2: Yes, well, it comes as a bit of a shock sometimes too, because you, um, you know, I meet people, and I think, oh, geez, he's an old bugger, then I find out he's younger than me, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's really um, behoves oneself to really start looking after one's health if you want to go the distance.
1: Mm. How do you do that, by the way? Do you have a, you know, a special diet? Do you have uh, a exercise regime?
2: Well. Not formally, but I do try to stick to a low-fat diet, and I've taken statins now, to keep my cholesterol down, all that usual stuff. And mm. um, and the exercise I get is just I've got this block of land out here, just working on that, and maintaining it. it, gives me plenty of exercise. Yeah, but I remember when my father retired, I said, "You got any hobbies?" He said, "Yeah, I've got a hobby." I said, "What's that?" He said, "I'm." staying
0: alive and uh, it's so different really when you think about the attitude our parents had and and what getting to our age was for them as opposed to now where really because of modern medicines we tend to go on and on and on and on
2: yeah I've already outlived my grandfather he he passed away at 63 that was in 1967 which was not such a rare thing back then, hmm. no one really said too much about it but yet, nowadays you think oh it's probably a bit young really but um well, we just don't know. I remember a doctor telling me that uh, you know our hearts are pre broke program for only a certain number of beats oh you know and I said, well mine's been broken a few times he said <laughs> he said your tick is all right you know oh that's good
1: that's good to know so do you have any elements you'd like to discuss with us
2: not nothing that's really kind of diagnosed as chronic so much as um aches and pains that
1: niggling mm-hmm. that,
2: that don't sort of seem to go away or they kinda of come back or I, I've recently did like over eighteen thousand kilometers of driving through northern Australia over the winter months and that took its toll on me, um, which I hadn't had before. <clears throat> I struggled in the last week I was coming home and I ended up with a condition known as rye neck, which I've never had before, but it was very painful and I couldn't sleep and I had to get serious meds to be able to rest before it kind of healed itself. Oh. Um, it's when you can't move your head left or right, and your neck's all seized up and it's oh. you can't even sleep, you know, you oh. can't get comfortable. Yeah, that was, I haven't filmed anything, Jesus, maybe I can't do this stuff anymore. Or well, the way I was doing it, maybe I need to really, as you say, take it easy, take things a bit slower.
0: When I think about all the miles you must have done in Tarragos and various vans around Australia, God, (laughs) I mean, you know, you know, when you think of yourself in the twenties with the Rumpy band, you're you're just starting out and it's all fresh and everything. And then suddenly you're here and and you still go out and do gigs and tour. Uh, Do you go about it a different way?
2: Well, that's what I'm saying. I think I'm going to have to reevaluate the way I do it. Uh, obviously going to try and fly a lot more, but as you get older, you, you realize energy is such a precious resource, you know, and you've got to kind of protect that and direct it to the, only those things you really feel are important.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, um, cause you don't have the expendable energy you had in your youth, where you just, you could, you could scatter it everywhere, you know, mm. and not seem to get tired. You know, it's a kind of a trade-off because you do have more wisdom, more life experience, but you have less energy. So you've got to make it count. I like the analogy of an old single shot rifle. You've only got one shot (laughs) and you've got to wait for the wind to drop and everything, you know?
0: (laughs) Until it's just just
2: right. Yeah, and then squeeze it off and hope for the best.
1: (laughs) And so, um, Neil, you were obviously a very adventurous young man, you know, taking off to central Australia in your twenties. Where do you think that experience took you, you know, not just physically but mentally and emotionally as well?
2: Well, I was—I I had a strong feeling, an intuitive feeling, to, to want to be with Aboriginal people. I felt that was a, something really important and fundamental there that I had to learn. And I especially wanted to go to somewhere where they still had their law and language and culture fairly intact. And so I headed north and... Uh, Papunya and um yeah it was it was uh life-changing and um it's kind of shaped my whole life ever since and uh I'm still in contact with Sammy Butcher regularly and uh we did that special thing in the band but it just gave me a, a an insight into what this country really is and you can only get that I felt for me by learning from the people who know it the best who who have been here the longest. Mm. And um, it was extraordinary. And um, it still shapes the kind of songs I write and things. And uh, eventually it led me to go back to where I came from, which is Japerone Country in Western Victoria, and, and reconsider how I, how I relate to it in the light of the knowledge that I've gained up north. And uh, that's been a driving... Influence in the last couple of decades.
0: You just said, uh, to find out what this country really is, Neil, what is this country?
2: Well, it's a country uh, of um, many nations. Uh, with a very extraordinary, uh, long uh, history of human occupation. And, and once you see that, you start to see things a lot differently. And there's a, um, the short answer is I think I've, I have a greater sense of belonging now than before gave me uh, ways in which to understand this country in a different way and to, and to kind of enter it with a, more respect uh more sensitivity and attunement to the environment and the uh the best way to any to go into any place in this country if, if you're lucky enough to be able to go there with the traditional owners and they can show you how to be in that place and what it is then that that is just a, a wonderful gift to be able to receive that yeah so these things um have informed and enriched my life knowing you.
1: Yeah. And so Neil what can you tell us about indigenous peoples attitude towards aging uh, elders in comparison to you know Anglo Australians uh, attitudes to aging?
2: Oh well, generally speaking, I mean, elders were 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 revered traditionally because they had all the knowledge. They held all the knowledge because it was an oral oral sort of culture. Things were transmitted orally. That's why they had incredibly agile brains to remember, you know, hundreds thousands of song cycles and things, and are very quick to pick up language because their their ears. And in fact, the word for understanding is the same as hearing, and so it's about if you hear, you understand. So, mm. um. Yeah, but you know, laugh about it. When when I see people now they they sort of say in language to me, Oh corn, you jumping off which means you poor bugger, you got you got old you're getting old <laughs> you <know? laughs> they Have a bit of a laugh, you know, and chuckle about it. You know, and of course when as we're in the territory now you start to be you're going to more funerals um, than ever before and it's just gonna be continual from here on out and um, even people younger than you passing away, you're going to their funerals and and I think just aspire to get to some sort of state of grace. I think in your in your senior years, as much mm. as you can. Peace of mind is really important to me. Um, do whatever you can in your life to reduce stress and to live more simply. I yeah. find those are good principles.
0: There are less things you really need as you get older. Strangely enough, the things tend to fall away a little bit like that. Uh, you've you know you've got the experience, but but what are you aiming for? And and do you find that is in your songwriting now more so than it used to be?
2: Oh yeah, um, I can't write the same songs I wrote as a younger man, nor would I want to. And the kind of songs I come up to now, um, you know, I don't say it's easier. In some ways, it's harder because you you don't want to repeat yourself, so you're always striving for for a new angle or something or you know, you want to impress yourself because you've seen a lot of stuff. So you're you're hard to impress now. So it's basically if it moves me and then I feel confident it it's going to move other people. So I don't don't write prolifically. I've written for about a year, a song for about a year now, but I've been extensively promoting my latest album. Which is called? Uh, The Telling. It's your
0: 10th, isn't it? 10th solo album. Amazing. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I can't even say I'll do another one. Maybe I'll get around it. just, it's not something that bothers me. And I, in a way, I've written enough songs, you know. I think it's 250 registered on Napra But Isn't that amazing? Um,
1: That's quite a legacy, isn't it? Do you ever think about the legacy that you might leave behind?
2: Not so much because I still feel
0: I'm a practising artist and so your best work <laughs> is always ahead of you. you know? <laughs> well, there must be a little bit. Is there a little bit of nostalgia in your writing or in your music, do you think?
2: Um, I wouldn't think so not unduly if anything i'm getting grumpier and
0: crankier (laughs) aren't we all (laughs) yeah no Uh, but i keep thinking like uh, good light and broom you know will be there soon you know i uh, that was a very evocative song it's such a great tune Uh, and it's got so much energy is it harder to get that energy on stage uh no that,
2: that one cranks along pretty good you know and um you know, it's managed to get some traction around the place, so it's 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 pretty much one I have to do every every time I perform.
1: Do you mind doing that, by the way? You know, singing the no, hits?
2: No, I, I quite like it. I, you know, I quite like it. But um, you know, you're lucky if you've got a few songs that have registered with the public. Well, then that that, that helps a lot. You know, but then you're trying to sort of sprinkle in some of your newer works that you, <laughs> recent more more recent works are ones that I feel are more relevant to me now. You know.
3: Yeah.
1: So I
2: always try to. Try to put some of them in too.
1: Yeah. yeah, and so do you think about the future at all, Neil? Do you think about, I don't know, what what life might be like for you as an older man?
2: I'm starting to uh, consider that more because just uh, you know recent experience with with my mother who passed away earlier this year. She was 94. And she was sort of saying, "Do you think you'll get to my age?" And I said, "Oh, I don't know. You're setting a high benchmark." Yes. <laughs> she said, don't do it," she said. "Don't do it." She said, "You can live too long."
1: Oh, is that right? I,
2: I accepted that she uh, was ready to go. Which you've been telling us for a couple of years, you know. I know there is, is sort of assisted dying things now, but you but you need to have a terminal illness uh, with less than six months to live, I believe. But. I think that needs to be um, refined a bit more because I think once a person's in their nineties and if they've got the capacity and they want to, if they want to check out, I think everyone should be able to. Yeah. It's a terrible suffering. You know, um, my mother went through a lot of pain and um, when I had to put my own dog down because he was too old, she said, "Why well, can't, i get a,
1: yes, exactly.
2: An injection like that put me to sleep. You know, yeah. Yeah. So You see, these are the issues you start to think about because I think, you know, I think everyone worries about their dignity, you know, and, and what sort of, quality of life they'll have. I mean, I could cope with being incapacitated as long as my mind was good, you know. Mm. On my father's side of the family, dementia does run in that side of the family, so that's a worry too. Have you got
1: kids or grandkids? Who, do you worry yeah. about who's going to look after you when you get old?
2: No, I don't think you can depend on your kids to look after you. That's why there's a burgeoning industry in aged care. People worry about retirement, but they want to thinking about putting money aside to their care. And I think aged care facilities need to really be refined a lot more, and more outdoor spaces, and 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 being able to walk in nature. I think it's very restorative and therapeutic to be close to nature, wildlife, plants, uh, everything. You know, to, yeah, to feel yeah. to be cooped up in a room is terrible. I think for me, I'd always want to be able to get outside. Yeah. So yeah, they're important things to think about yeah. going forward. And funny thing, my mother said about dementia. She said, "Well, if you've lost your marbles and you don't know it." Know
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've always thought of you really, you know, and I'm a real city bloke, you know, but I've always thought of you as being so in tune with the country. Obviously, you live on a property as well, and, and talking about, as you just did, about nature and everything like that, being connected to the country, does that make things a little easier?
2: Absolutely. And that's a lot of that is reinforced by what I learned from Aboriginal people. Uh, we are just another living creature on the planet, on the earth. We share it with all our our kin, our other living entities around us, you know, I do feel a a kinship with the creatures around me and and with the trees and the elements. And it's a wonderful thing. It's, uh, those are the kinds of concepts I think that can lead one to live with grace more, you know, and to let go a lot of the the chatter we get with our sort of Western way of living, you know, I, I really strongly advocate a more simpler form of living, that simpler doesn't mean dumber you know, No, I have spent lots of years in the city, I've lived in urban environments too, you know, it's still possible even in an urban environment to, you know, the parks and gardens and streams and things, you can go and sit and just contemplate, I think just to sit and observe what's happening around you, you know, uh, in the day, to try and get in the now more you know, I mean it's just, the future does look scary, I won't gloss that over at all Yeah, <laughs> Don't happy. turn
0: on the TV <laughs>
2: yeah I mean what what our, what sort of world our kids our grandkids are inheriting you know it's it is scary mm. um, I feel for them, I really do
1: Neil did writing the song "My Island Home set you up for life? Are you able to live off the royalties?
2: I wouldn't say it set me up, but it actually enabled me to keep going in the business mm. it certainly enabled me to record and release a lot of other songs that insisted themselves of no less importance than that one
3: mm-hmm
2: that's the thing as an artist it was just lucky i mean i was trying to get always trying to get more songs for george our singer to sing because he needed to sing more i was still singing a lot of lead vocals on a lot of songs and you know i needed him to do more It was just lucky that that came up and i thought i'll write it from his point of view and give it to him and see if he'll want to do it and he did he loved it and Mm -hmm. it made it, it was an identifiable song for him but 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 the actual commercial reality is that the warranty band didn't have a hit with it. Christine Arnoux did yeah. Yeah. in 1995 when she did her version, and that brought it into the mainstream. It's fair to say, but if not for that song, I would have had to had a proper job. And, um, <laughs> oh no! Right, well, it's no shame. 95% of Australian musicians are in that situation. Yeah. yeah. What
1: would your proper job have been, Neil?
2: Oh uh, look, I did train as a as a teacher, I was a secondary art and crafts teacher, but whether I would have done that or not. I mean, just something, if, if I was still continuing music, I think I'd want something menial that I could just clock in and out of. Yeah, right. Not have to think too much, yeah. like a delivery van or something. Yeah. That's a, oh, look, I'm right into that. It's like well, right, What did I will say? I don't know, man. I, once I, last thing I remember, I was
0: driving truck. <laughs> Fantastic. But uh, it is the simple things that really appeal. And, and, and you know, the, one of the, the hardest things about being old – older is, is the fact that you're trying to find what am I excited about? What am I looking forward to? What's driving me? What what do I really what, – what are the things I want to grab at still? Uh, do you often think about that and what are the things you, you, you're excited by? <laughs> Take your time.
2: I'm not driven by ambition anymore. Let all that go. It creates a lot of stress and needless worry. Um, I I think just to be well, you just start to realise what a blessing it is to – To be able to greet each day and be pain-free, relatively pain-free, and to be well and to be alive, and to be able to still do it, to be able to do a show or um, travel, spend quality time with people. I I don't have a great appetite for travel. I just find it it makes me feel tired. But uh, (laughs) I would still travel in certain situations overseas. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm in that position now where I'm looking at how I can retire, how do I semi-retire, retire, retire, whatever, do I get a pension or or Uh I have yet to sort of work that out, you know, Uh but I can't go on at the pace that I have been. Um, so I'd like to sort of semi retire, whatever that means. Yeah. That's <laughs> that that's means good. that
1: yeah, that means you that means you'd keep your end in.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm right into that. I, I think, never retire. Just if you semi retire, you're on your way to retirement, but at the same time as the says, you've got a foot in the other camp. Yeah. Yeah, well not semi
2: hate to be able to still perform until I drop, you know. Mm. It's just that I like to do quality gigs, less of them but you know more quality gigs perhaps yeah Yeah,
1: lovely we're speaking to you and you are on your property in western victoria you said tell us some of the jobs that you have to do what have you been doing lately there
2: oh it's just a small block it's six and a half hectares and it's um mostly this time of year is slashing and mowing to prepare for the fire season right and i've recently acquired an old tractor finally and my own slasher so i think i can handle it myself without getting contractors in but i'm having a few Two issues with some of the gear. Something always breaks down. you know. That's right. That's why I've like got two old rider motors. When one's not working, I get on the other one and try and while well, that's getting fixed. You know? So there's chainsawing work. There's there's but the moment it's all just mowing, slashing, then mowing. Oh God,
0: that seems like a lot.
2: I dread the summers now. It looks like we're going to have a hot one, and yeah. we get those bad days with howling north winds and really hot. It's conditions can be apocalyptic. So. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: do you get out to country much? Do you get back to Papunya or is it all about, you know, visiting for funerals these days?
2: Oh, I've been to a couple of funerals in the last couple of years up there. But um, I try and go through that area in the territory. I try to visit at least once a year. That's why I usually plan to go north in the winter along with all the grey nomads. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm not towing a caravan. I'm still in. A- Your swag. Swag or a rooftop tent, I've got on a Hilux, but even that's getting a bit hard to do. But um, I do enjoy um, still going going up to the northern parts of Australia in the wintertime. I think that's a really enjoyable thing to do. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's it's been a country of nomads since the dawn of time, really, isn't it? And I, and I guess that's probably one of the things you've learned.
2: The thing is, I've been talking to Aboriginal people that they all had distinct territories and and current countries that language groups were in and clans and families had distinct areas of land they were responsible for so they weren't sort of nomadic in terms of you know just wandering aimlessly they had distinct seasonal movements to do in terms of how they managed their estate so mm. but it's nice to be able to travel around and know whose country you're going into and,
0: and try and learn a bit of history about it you've got a lot of knowledge neil if you you know I know you've done a bit of writing if you've written down a uh, enough of that sort of knowledge to, to share with others, do you think?
2: I've sort of, well, I did write a book, seeing for Me countrymen. Um, I guess there's a bit in that and there's a few poems in that. And I have got a memoir that I'm pitching around at the moment. There you go,
1: a memoir. That's what we need from you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> have you got a working title? Heavy Precious. Wow, all right. Lovely. Well, we look forward to it greatly. Yeah, no, definitely. It's We're been, big
1: fans. It's been great to talk to you again. Thank you so much for your time.
0: You're welcome. I hope it helps. Good on you, Neil. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. Please like and also subscribe. Thank you for listening. I'm Angela Coturns. I'm Ian
1: Rogerson. Leave a comment, as long as it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not, That's right. fuck off. Yes.
0: See you next time, Ed. Bye.
3: And I want wine with my meds.